0: We'll hear argument next in Case 11-1085, Amgen Incorporated, versus the Connecticut Retirement Plans and Trust Funds. Mr. Waxman.
1: Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Our case is about whether the claim of liability is, in a fundamental sense, class-wide or individual. The heart of a 10B-5 claim is, I bought or sold, in reliance on a misleading statement. The question at the class cert stage is whether each individual will have to prove his own reliance directly on the statement or whether every, he can prove indirectly reliance on the statement by showing that everybody relied on a distorted market price. A market price will reflect a statement if and only if the statement is material and is made publicly on an efficient market. So absent materiality, the market price cannot be presumed to reflect the statement in question.
0: Why, and the why is, that, why is that the case? I would suppose if there's no materiality, that means that the effect on the market price just happens to be zero.
1: That's exactly correct, and the point here is well why
0: isn't that common to uh, all parties?
1: Mr Chief Justice, every one of the four predicates to the fraud on the market theory, which is a shortcut that, ex- that excuses plaintiffs from proving that I heard the statement and relied on it, every one of those predicates is common. Whether the market is efficient is common. Whether the statement is public is common. Whether the stocks were bought and sold during the period of market distortion is common and materiality is common. The question is not whether is the
2: falsity of the statement common as well?
1: The falsity of the statement is common, but it is not a predicate to whether or not you can prove reliance on a statement indirectly by relying on the integrity of the market price, because in an efficient Market material public statements, whether they are true or false, will presumably move the market price. And if you're trying to prove reliance an, on an a individual false
2: individual who ha- it has been deemed in, in in a cert certification that an issue is immaterial, could an individual claimant ever prove it's material? Sure. I'm not on a truth on the market. Truth in the market defense, which is the type of defense that you're raising here.
1: Yes. Either way, let me explain why. There is no doubt that this Court's standard for materiality, announced in TSC versus Northway and since reiterated, is an objective standard. It doesn't depend on who the relier was. But the inability to prove to a certifying judge that class-wide reliance can be a class-wide reliance exists because the statement was material doesn't preclude a plaintiff-like Connecticut retirement, which has said it's going to proceed whether there's a class or not, or any other member of the class from coming to court and saying either I directly relied on this statement, and here's my proof that it's material, to the trier of fact, because the decision that the judge makes at certification is not binding on the trier of fact. Or even to say, I relied on the integrity of the market price, and I have proof that the market price was affected because here are three investors they're all reasonable people, and they say that it was relevant, important to them in the total mix of information. I'm well, sorry. Mr.
3: Mr. Westman, that's just to say that you, uh, a plaintiff can always relitigate the question of materiality. But at the class certification stage, isn't it correct that if the court holds that a statement is immaterial, it's immaterial for all members of the class, and the suit has to be dismissed? Isn't that right?
1: The suit cannot, that is, the suit cannot proceed as a class action. Connecticut retirement It can't or any-
3: proceed as an anything action, can it? I mean, the, the, <laughs> the remedy, if you thought that the statement was immaterial, is not to say um, uh, I won't approve a class. It would be to say the suit has no merit.
1: I I think that's wrong. I think that's conceptually wrong, Justice Kagan, in the sense that all that the class certification decision says is that the putative class representative can sue on his own behalf, but he can't drag everybody else. What do you mean to say that
3: a judge who has just ruled that a statement is immaterial is going to keep the case in his court litigated by an individual plaintiff, even though he's just ruled that the statement is immaterial?
1: Well, I wanna, I, I'd like to come back to the question of why, whether even if the premise of your question is correct, it doesn't matter for this case. But let me take one more run at, at, at your premise. The next thing that would happen, if I'm right, presumably, and the case isn't over, the class just isn't certified, is the defendant, you know, emboldened by the judge's rule, will file a motion for summary judgment on the grounds that, Materiality, the element of the substantive offense, not materiality, the predicate to class certification, has just been determined uh, in favor of me. That is a very different question for the Court. Materiality, as this Court has said, is fact-sensitive, and it involves a balancing of credibility of witnesses or of expert opinions. And the judge at the, at the class search stage has to find facts and has to make a ruling when it comes up on summary judgment, what the, if there is a dispute of material facts, what the judge should do under the law is to say, "Look, I just held that I didn't think it was material, but I resolved disputed material facts, and that's for the jury. And this case will go to the jury.
3: But you're saying that a judge on the class certification stage can say, this is immaterial, the statement is immaterial, therefore this can't proceed as a class action." But when a summary judgment motion comes in arguing the exact same thing, the judge would say, Oh, it's not immaterial after all, or it's disputed enough that the case can,
1: can continue? Well, in some cases, if if the alleged fact is, you know, that Amgen's president got a haircut at ten thirty, the judge presumably can say, there are you know, this is immaterial as a matter of law, but the vast majority of cases, this is a perfect example where they have statements that in the abstract, extracted from the total mix of information, look pretty material. These are flagship drugs. On the other hand, the evidence we wanted to introduce and the judge wouldn't hear, because the, in the Ninth Circuit the test is not proving facts, but simply alleging them.
3: I guess the question, Mr. Watsman, is, if it's not immaterial as a matter of law at the summary judgment stage, how could a judge possibly say it is material at the class certification stage?
1: The judge at the class certification stage is required to weigh competing evidence and, and render his or her best judgment. At the summary judgment stage, a judge is precluded from doing that.
3: So the class certification stage becomes kind of a super merits inquiry? No, or not the claim at all. It has to has to uh, uh, surmount a higher burden on the merits. No, no, no. The cla- the, the class
1: certification stage requires the moving party, the putative the, the the class representative, who is proposing to arrogate to himself and his method of proof the fortunes of all the absent class members, whether they're direct reliers or indirect reliers tie their fortunes to his fortune at trial. And the judge simply has to say, is this a case in which reliance is a common issue? That is the key through the certification gate. I what we're B. talking Ivers. about,
4: Mr. Waxman, the materiality of the alleged um, misstatement. And I am really um, non by or answer that if the judge says it's immaterial, that doesn't end it for everybody. Certainly it should, it ends it for the class, you said that, should it also end it for the representative of the the class and say, okay, now I'm going to come back and this statement, this finding of immateriality doesn't bind me. Of course it's going to bind the class representative. So if it's immaterial, the case ends. And if it is material, then it is material to everybody in the class.
1: Well, Justice Ginsburg, let's take an easier case. Let's say I'm somebody who bought Amgen during the relevant period. And they, the judge says, you know, I've heard your, I've considered your event studies and I think that um, this is, information isn't material. There's nothing whatsoever that precludes me from bringing a suit and saying here's my evidence of material i directly relied here's my evidence of materiality
5: are you saying How that there's that a diff are you saying that there's a difference between materiality for the fraud on the market theory and for direct reliance or that there can be a difference that
1: the standard In other of the materi-
5: fraud on the market is a materiality question Addressed at the certification stage, but if the class isn't certified, the investor can still show that he had direct reliance that was reasonable. Right. Yes. Now, am the, I right about that? Or?
1: You are. You're either right or wrong, depending on how I understood you. Let me let me let me start with you're <laughs> right, Justice Kennedy. You're absolutely right. Material. Do, do the first part. Okay. Material <laughs> materiality. The quirk of this case is that materiality is both, as all my friends on the other side agree, an essential predicate of the fraud on the market theory. That is, the essential predicate of the ability to prove indirect reliance on the statement through an assertion that the market price – that the statement distorted the market price. Everyone agrees that if the statement isn't material – It didn't distort the market price, and therefore, reliance is an individualized issue for those who actually heard and detrimentally relied on the statement. One of the elements that has to be proven in a 10b-5 case is reliance, which is what we were talking about at the class cert stage, and their materiality is a predicate for reliance. But even if reliance is proven – Materiality is also an element of a 10B-5B cause of action, and the standard for materiality is the same. The real question in this case is, what is the purpose of Rule 23? If you think that the purpose of Rule 23 is to postpone to the merits everything that can be postponed without a risk of foreclosing valid individual claims, we lose. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is for a court to determine whether all of the preconditions for forcing everyone into a class
6: action are present before you well, what, certify. you could take exactly what you said and phrase it the opposite way. You but I would say, you know, I know you wouldn't, but I suspect your opponents might. But that is it the purpose of the certification stage to try out every element of liability at that stage rather than waiting for the trial. No it's, and bait, no, it's not good. Now, once you say that, what you've said is, you know, it still could be material for some individual, even though there's no market reliance. And similarly, a sort of silence going, <coughs> some, some odd set of words or whatever it is, although it's not false for almost anybody, for some particular person, it could seem, uh, convey something false in some particular set of circumstances. So let's try out falsity at the certification stage, too. No, In no, fact, no. let's try out everything, because we can always think of a few examples where, despite the fact that, uh, uh, you know, that uh, it, uh, no, it's only a common issue 99 percent of the time, we can dream up a situation uh, where it's not a common issue.
1: Justice Breyer, the point of class certification is not to pre-try the merits
6: of the case, no, but you're saying, what's a cert- cert- class, certification here, if there's no materiality, there is no class. And you're repeatedly faced with the question, you're absolutely right. In fact, there's no case. And so then what you say is, and indeed, uh, uh, I have a few instances here in which there could be a case. And I'd say, I bet if we're, you know, professorial enough, we could dream up a hypothetical for anything. Uh, where there still is a case. The point of class certification,
1: as this Court explained in Amchem and other cases, and as the Rules Advisory Committee notes, is the question of whether there is class coherence in the first place. It's not the merits issue. It's whether it's fair for the class representative to impose on the defendant the juggernaut of class action and on the absent class members their fortunes in his or her hands.
3: Ms. Wright, that's exactly uh, right. And that's what we said in Walmart recently, that the question is a question of coherence. It's a question of whether the class wins or loses together. And here, for materiality, the class wins or loses together. If it's material, it's material as to everybody. If it's not material, it's not material as to everybody. And that's just the function of the fact that, that materiality, as we've repeatedly said, is an objective test. It doesn't have anything to do with whether a particular person finds it material. And where that's the case, it seems to me that the Walmart test, which is, is an issue central to the, you know, when you rule on the issue, do you rule on each of the claims in one stroke? The answer to that is yes.
1: Justice Kagan. This Court has explained more than once, and I'm now quoting from Amchem, that class, it is class cohesion and only class cohesion that legitimizes representative action in the first place. And that question, quote, preexists any settlement and therefore a fortiori any litigation. Ms. Now- I was
3: saying that's right. Okay. There is class cohesion as to materiality. People win or lose on materiality together.
1: There is class, with respect, there is class cohesion. Investors cohere into a class only when the alleged misinformation was significant enough to affect the price, thus enabling the common claim of relying on the misinformation in the same way. Letting a putative representative through the certification gate without showing that key is like on a theory of no harm, no foul, because we'll all lose together, Mr. Wax- is like letting Mr. Wax- Wax- justify.
4: There's no question about 23A, right? The 23A prerequisites have been satisfied. Not challenged in this case. So the only thing is B3, that is, a, a, a question of law or fact common to the class members predominates over questions affecting only individual members. The question that predominates is the question of were these representations material? If they were material, then their certification is proper. If they were immaterial, it's not. It just I I don't understand why this isn't just a clear case of a question common to the class. That is the question of materiality.
1: The answer, Justice Ginsburg, is that the question at the class certification stage, the predominance question, is the reliance element, not the materiality element. Everyone agrees that materiality, like falsity, like C-enter, like loss causation, are all common questions. As this Court explained in basic and reiterated last term in Halliburton, in 10b-5 actions, the question at class certification is whether reliance needs to be proven directly, that is, individually, by people who heard and acted in response, or whether the shortcut that this Court authorized in basic of allowing indirect proof by proving that the statement caused a distortion of the market is the way to go. There are two tracks, and it happens in this case that materiality is both an element, which is common, and a predicate to class-wide reliance. Everyone agrees that you can't rely as a class on the the challenge misstatement unless – the statement moved or had the capability of moving the market price. And that's why materiality is the glue that- you have have a
7: habit of not pausing between sentences. You pause (laughs) in the middle of a sentence, and you end a sentence and go right on to the next. So I apologize for interrupting, but you- Not at all. You leave me no alternative. It's It's the red light. Yes, I understand. The tyranny. Is it not the case that- One of the other elements necessary for the fraud on the market theory would also be decided conclusively for future individual litigants, namely the efficiency of the market. A future litigant will ordinarily claim, uh, I, I either sold it at a depressed price or bought it at an inflated price because of the market's reaction. To this particular uh, fraudulent statement. Yes. So, so you can say the same thing about the efficiency of the of the market being determined in this preliminary question, a, as you can say about uh, 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 about the um, uh, the issue here.
1: That, that's absolutely right. And The same is true for public statement. The way that the, that the government and
3: respondent is oh, that sorry, because the difference is that if there is a, an an inefficient uh, market the case goes forward and people have to prove individual reliance and that means that the class splits apart and you don't get a coherent class so the function of 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 your winning an argument either on publicity or on the efficient market is that the class becomes incoherent that everybody then has to prove uh, uh individual reliance but that's not the f- what happens when you prove immateriality when you prove immateriality the whole class falls together because it's immaterial for everybody.
1: That's not correct. And in any event, the, that analysis, that approach is, as I was trying to say, is like letting the fruits justify the search. The question is, at the time that class certification is sought, the question is, do common issues predominate? And the question in a securities case is, Is reliance, in fact, to quote this Court's opinion, in fact, a common issue? You also have to to — to show that, in fact, it's a common issue, you have to show that the market reacted to the statement, whether it was true or false, whether it was made with C-enter or not, whether there was loss causation or not, the market had to react. And to do that, you need all three legs of a stool. The statement has to be material, because immaterial statements don't move markets. Mr. It Waxman,
4: the the um, basic <laughs> opinion that started all this off on page 242 lists materiality as a common question, materiality of the misrepresentation, if any, is listed as a common question. And that made perfect sense to me.
1: It makes perfect sense to me as well, Justice Ginsburg, and I'm not being sarcastic. Materiality is a common question, just as are many of the other elements of a 10b-5 action. The so important. it's certification.
0: You just assume that materiality, you don't have to show it. If it's always a common question, you assume it in trying to weigh out the number of whether or not common issues predominate or not.
1: Well, the, the question just, I mean, for perp- if it were for class certification, that would be fine. The question is what the purported class representative has to show To get through the certification gate, to transform an ordinary bilateral dispute about you made a false statement, I relied on it, it caused me to lose money, into something entirely different, a class of tens or hundreds of thousands of people, all of whom are proceeding together, all of their fortunes are married, and the defendant is faced with the full class, what you have to show, and you have to show that reliance is a common issue,
4: regardless uh, of what Waxman, you have to show you, down Mr. the road. Mr. Waxman, you seem to be uh, setting up two determinations of materiality. You say, in order to certify the class, you have to show that the misrepresentation was material. And in order to win on the merits, you certainly have to show that the misrepresentation was material. How do those two findings of materiality differ? How does the finding that you say must be made at the certification stage differ from the finding that must be made at the trial?
1: They differ temporally, they differ functionally, and they differ in terms of who decides it and with what level of finality. They differ temporally because the first question is, is this case going to, pre- which of two tracks is this case going to proceed? Is it going to proceed as a, as a direct reliance case? I heard the statement and I relied on it. Or is it going to proceed on a theory on behalf of everybody that whether the people who relied on it, the people who heard it and who didn't hear it on a theory that the, we, we rely on the integrity of the market and the integrity of the market was impaired if the statement was false. In any event, there was a price effect, and there isn't a price effect if the statement <coughs> wasn't material and made publicly into an efficient but market. So but
4: what does, what does material mean at the trial level? What does material mean at the certification?
1: Material means at both, as this court said. That there is a substantial likelihood that the information would have been viewed by a reasonable investor as having significantly altered the total mix of information available. So it's the is same the question.
4: It has to be, if it's established at the certification stage, has to be established again at trial?
1: That's correct. Just like the market efficiency and the public statement and the market timing, every one of those predicates has to be proven to the jury's satisfaction at trial. All of them are exactly the same in that respect. May I reserve the balance of my time?
0: Yes, uh, you may. Uh, Mr. Frederick?
8: <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. The class certification process determines whether the case can generate common answers for all class
2: members. So for three reasons rule to answer the question that was asked earlier. If BASIC set forth a presumption, um, and are you disputing that at the class certification stage a defendant can prove that the market is inefficient? Yes. So why should we hold basic to its position that all of its presumptions can be rebutted as well, not just efficiency? Why do we set out efficiency? as the one issue that can be rebutted?
8: There's a lot to be said about BASIC, and let me just start the ball rolling by making these observations. First, BASIC did not try to distinguish between the requisites of Rule 23 and the substantive component of the fraud on the market theory. And that's important, because in that case, the Court remanded for a redetermination of materiality, but it upheld the class certification order. So in the context of BASIC, The Court seemed to be thinking there was a difference between what needed to be proved for class certification and what would need to be proved on the merits of the case. Now, the second thing to be said is that basic needs to be read against the backdrop of Rule 23, and especially this Court's recent decision in Walmart versus Duke's. Because materiality always generates a common answer for all class members, it is the quintessential common issue that does not splinter the class or cause it to be non-cohesive for purposes of understanding predominance.
5: Doesn't that assume that the efficient market theory is always relevant to materiality? And there might be instances in which there is subjective reliance, which we inquire into, uh, that is objectively reasonable, but that does not involve a fraud on the market.
8: Only in a hypothetical case, Justice Kennedy, and this is the absolute most important point that I can try to make today. In a fraud on the market case, the idea of reliance, the only theory of reliance that is being advanced is indirect reliance on the integrity of the market. There is no other theory of reliance. Why do we know that in this case? For two reasons. First, the Connecticut retirement system could not be the class representative if it did not meet the typicality requirement of Rule 23A, which the District Court found. This is on page 25A of the Petition Appendix and has not been challenged subsequently. But why doesn't Connecticut have a direct reliance theory? We know they don't because they have a fiduciary duty to their investors to apply whatever theory they have of securities fraud. So we know in this case, and this is by far clear in the run of the mind, fraud on the market case, that the class representative will only establish reliance indirectly by showing that the integrity of the market was impaired. And so their construct is an entirely hypothetical and theoretical one. It simply does not arise in the real world of fraud on the market space. Frederick,
7: uh, you, you say that, that you know, it's, it's a fluky hypothetical, uh, where, where, uh the uh the, uh, the, uh, the issue here would, would, would come up again in a different context in an individual suit. Let, let, let me give you uh, a case that's, that's not uh, fluky and hypothetical. That is, um, it, it is usually the case that, that, that people who are a, a, a allegedly uh, defrauded in stocks rely upon the fact that they bought it at, a, at an inflated price or sold it at a depressed price. Both of those questions depend upon the efficiency of the market. If the market is not efficient, a question that has to be decided for the class certification case, the individual investor is not going to be able to say, you know, that's, that's why I got cheated, because the market reflected this false uh, statement and I paid more money for the stock than I should have. That is not a fluky hypothetical. That is what will happen in most individual cases. And yet that question of the efficiency of the market has to be decided at the class certification stage.
8: Right, precisely because we have to know are all the investors standing in the same position. If the market is efficient and it is absorbing information into the price, all investors will have the same question with respect to materiality. They say the
7: same about materiality. If it's immaterial, it isn't reflected in, in the market.
8: They all lose on the merits if there is no materiality. The question about efficiency, Justice, and the reason why it is advanced at class certification is because it serves a gatekeeping role in determining whether all the investors can show indirect reliance on the market. If the if the stock is thinly traded, there are no public <laughs> analysts, there are no stock reports given about it, and no one knows exactly why is the price being determined, that creates exactly the kind of individual issues that would predominate. So, the, so, so, so the difference
7: you assert is that uh, uh, with respect to the <laughs> issue here, it will be an issue in all individual cases. Whereas with regard to the efficiency of the market, it will only be an issue in what? 95% of the, of the individual cases?
8: No, the question is, does efficiency serve as a means of determining are all the investors similarly situated? Are they a cohesive class? If the market is not efficient, and mind you they they conceded this question in their answer, and they did not challenge the expert that was put in the district court on the question of efficiency. So that question is really not in this case. But in the case that you're hypothesizing, Justice Scalia, efficiency serves the gatekeeping function of determining are all the investors similarly situated so that indirect reliance can be a, a method of showing um, that predicate for a common answer to be determined at trial. But we, it the same we function. get
2: a hypothetical that I actually think could occur, um, which is uh, not a truth on the market defense, but a known truth to the individual person seeking certification. So that is, it's immaterial to that person because they were told this information by someone and still traded. Um, would that defense be available at certification? I think it where it gets uh, appropriately done
8: is the adequacy and typicality prongs of Rule 23A because that person has a different factual basis for attempting to assert a securities fraud. And that person is not typical of the class. And so, therefore, would not meet the typicality requirement of 23A. Now. It is possible, certainly, that in other cases there might be investors out there who do have a direct reliance theory, but they are protected by Rule 23 in a couple of ways. One is they can bring their own case and they can say, I directly relied on Amgen's misstatements and the false things that they said about their flagship products, and I, therefore, have my own 10B5 case. Or, if the class is certified and they think they have a direct reliance theory, they can opt out of the class.
6: This is, this is true, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work out what, as I understand it now, Mr. Waxman's point is, is basically this, that, that, why do we use an efficient market theory? We use it because if the market is efficient and the statement is public, then someone who bought over the market is buying in a, in a world that reflects the false statement. I mean, that's, so he, there was sufficient reliance indirectly. Right, so I think his point is, yes, I concede materiality is something that's relevant to everybody. Of course it is. A common issue in the case. But also it is a feature of materiality that if it wasn't material, then our theory of market reliance, uh, market efficient markets goes out the window uh, because uh, you can have all the efficiency in the world, all the publicity in the world, but still where something to a reasonable stockbroker is irrelevant, his reaction is, Who cares? And therefore, although there could be special cases, uh, their efficient market theory plays no role. Now, I think that's what his theory is, if I understand it. And and uh, and uh, I don't hope it is. <laughs> if I got it, right, I mean, I hope I got it right. But but if that's so, what's your direct answer to that?
8: My direct answer to that is that materiality still serves as a common answer. All the investors are going to lose if it is not a material misstatement that has any effect. And they will win, or they will have the potential to win, if it is a material. Well, the issue—the that, issue,
7: right. is, issue is not whether whether it's a common question or not. Well, the issue is whether there's any reason to believe that the that the market reflects uh, reality. Right, that's the
8: issue. The Justice Scalia, I think that the issue that you want to decide, or you think that you want to decide, is what constitutes the efficiency of the market, and that is a hotly litigated issue in many securities cases. It just happens not to be at issue in this one. And so the question of, you know, you've got a Fortune 200 company with 1.1 billion shares outstanding, 9 million traded a day during the class period. I mean, this is a hugely efficient market for the stock that is at issue before. All right, so you're
6: saying in this kind of case – the materiality or not is not likely to be specially sufficient, in fa- especially significant. In fact, you are going to decide it as a common issue, and there is no reason to import uh, that common issue into the preliminary finding, even if what I just parroted, we hope, uh, is true. Right. What you're
8: ending up doing, Justice Breyer, is you are front-loading. You are having a mini-trial on the merits, because the materiality question here goes into – what did the executives think and mean when they were making certain statements about clinical trials for their drug? What was you,
5: you are saying that if um, everyone loses, if it's not material, that's a common issue, and therefore the trial court at the certification stage does not have to determine it?
8: No, what I'm saying is that it is because it is a common question it is not one to be decided at class
5: certification just like false I'm not appeal. sure how that's different from what i said but uh, another an in other words you're saying uh that market efficiency is just presumed and everybody wins or everybody loses and so you can have a class action even though the trial judge is convinced that there is no uh, adequate common market theory to support the the, the common the common uh, injury.
8: That's not our position. Our position is that efficiency and publicity are gatekeeping functions to determine whether or not the answer for indirect reliance on the market is a common question. Mr.
4: Frederick, and you say, you say you point out quite rightly that the uh, efficiency of the market was conceded, was conceded below. Yes. It was not challenged, except that now in in. Uh, M. Gen's brief, there is a suggestion that the efficiency of the market uh, is a more sophisticated question, that it's not minor, binary, I think is what they said. It isn't that it's either efficient or it's not efficient. It depends on um, other factors.
8: It's a new concoction they had not argued before. Uh, this stage of the briefing in this case, and it's wrong because all investors will rise or fall based on whether or not those statements that may have some uh, subsidiary materiality effect are going to uh, be able to show that there was some consequence to the market. And it, that why, that is why it is still a common question, even if there are these subsidiary- All
6: right. If so, so if I've got this, uh, your answer, which I'm-, I'm trying to follow it, and don't tell me I'm right if I'm not, (laughs) that that with efficiency of the market, uh, that's not a traditional element of the tort. Correct. That's something special to get into this theory. That's correct. With publicity of the matter, that's not traditionally a common element of the tort. That's something special to get into this theory. Correct. With materiality, it is a common element of the tort always, it is traditionally there. It will be litigated, so there's no special reason to or desirability in or need for litigating at the outset.
8: That's correct. And Congress recognized that there were issues concerning these various elements, and that's why in 1995, when it enacted the PSLRA, it addressed say by imposing a heightened pleading requirement and loss causation, but it was asked to address materiality and reliance, and it chose not to. The first bill that was proposed would have dealt with base and the, and the Congress voted that down. But
7: there is there, there is a reason for deciding it earlier, and the reason is the uh, the enormous pressure to settle once the class is certified. In most cases, that's the end of the lawsuit. There, there, there's automatically a settlement. Now, one way of of uh, certifying the class is to show well, you know. It's an efficient market and you can presume that everybody in the class relied on the market. But that's only true if, if the, uh, the, the statement was material to the market. If it was immaterial to the market, that isn't true. And you should not proceed any further and, and, and you should not begin this, uh, this class action, which uh, in, in, in most cases is uh, simply the preliminary to a settlement. There, there is a good reason for deciding it sooner.
8: Well, Justice Scalia, you would consign district court judges to having many trials on the merits because the fact that materiality is such a highly contextual inquiry. Well,
5: you have, the, you have the burden of justifying class certification. Is that True. not correct? That's correct. All right. Now, I suppose there's some real question. Uh, the, the, whether or not the causal chain hasn't been broken, the causal chain between the misstatement and the movement in price. Don't you have to prove the integrity of the causal chain? Yes. At the certification stage?
8: Yes, but that's where efficiency comes in, Justice Kennedy, and that's why uh, when efficiency is contested at the class certification stage. What comes in are proofs of does information end up having an effect, and economists do event studies that try to show the general level at which information will be absorbed into the market price. That's where that issue gets contested. It does not get contested on the question of materiality because materiality looks at the total mix of information that would be relevant to an investor. You we say it's
5: material even though there's no cause in fact? I don't understand that.
8: What I'm saying is that the efficiency question goes into the individual stock's ability to absorb information, both material and non-material information. Now, the question on the merits for which all investors will either rise or fall together is, was this company's misrepresentation a material one to the reasonable investor? And that's why all investors are going to have the same answer, because it's the same objective inquiry. The question that you and Justice Scalia are positing about the efficiency of the market is one on which there are uh, disagreements among the lower courts as to how to challenge and how to deal with that question, but they do not do it on the basis of materiality. Um, Judge Easterbrook had a very uh, sound opinion in the Schleicher case in which he goes through and he explains that when there is a fraud on the market case, the notion of indirect reliance where efficiency is established really devolves down to the core merits question of materiality. And that is a common question that in which all of the investors are going to rise together. But I do want to end by saying that when Congress looked at this question, it decided not to deal with this question of efficiency or materiality. It was faced with a specter of 300 lawsuits being filed per year that were securities fraud cases in 1995, where a 93 percent settlement rate was occurring, an average settlement of nearly nine million dollars. In, ni- in 2011, the statistics showed that what Congress did was successful in achieving the purpose Congress attained. In the year 2011, there were 188 class actions filed. Fifty percent of them were dismissed, mostly on the heightened pleading standard that Congress had enacted in the PSLRA. So it's not really for this Court's province to be imposing policy judgments about what additional requirements ought to be put on 23B3. Congress made that judgment. And these uh, proceedings that have gone along in, in this way um, were perfectly sound by both the district court and the court of appeals. The court has no further questions.
0: Thank you, counsel. Ms. Sherry,
9: Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. I'd like to start by going back to the language of Rule 23 and, in particular, the predominance requirement. The only question is whether common issues predominate over individual issues. As several of the Justices have recognized, materiality is an objective inquiry. It leads to a common answer, and that common answer unites the class rather than divides it. If materiality is shown, the class members can proceed together on the -the fraud-on-the-market theory. But as Justice
2: Scalia pointed out earlier, so is efficiency or non-efficiency. So that, dif- that differentiation, articulating it that way, doesn't move the ball.
9: I, I would disagree with that because the difference is, is with efficiency and with publicity, it's bec- depending on the common answer, the class may divide. It may fragment because even if the market is inefficient, individual class members can make out claims of direct reliance. You can rely on an inefficient market and prevail. You can rely on so What's What was the a difference statement? between
7: 100 percent and 95 percent? I mean, most of these other claims in, in, in stock cases are going to be based on what, what, what the market price was when the person bought or sold. So, you know, 95% instead of 100%. That's, that's the basic difference.
9: The, the, the purpose of the class certification states with respect to predominance is to weigh the common issues against individual issues and with respect to market efficiency, uh, <laughs> excuse me, market efficiency and publicity, those are two matters that, that either bind the class together or divide them. To the extent the market is inefficient or to the extent the statements are not public, they're not all getting the information. They're preconditions.
6: Important. They are preconditions not related to the merits that do, in fact, justify the use of a special reliance theory. That, now, said that, of course, so is materiality. But, but materiality, unlike the other two, is part of the element of the basic case where it is a common issue in this case and in most to everybody.
9: And that's exactly right. And the difference is Is that
6: exactly right because I'm going to be uh, facing the problem uh, a few minutes from now somebody's going to say, "Well, why is that exactly right?" I'm I mean, going uh, to- uh uh well, it is a precondition.
9: I'm going to say it's exactly right, because the confusion here is that materiality in a fraud-on-the-market case serves two purposes. Mm -hmm. It is a predicate to the -the fraud-on-the-market theory, but it's also an independent, separate element. And what petitioners would have this Court do is isolate the two inquiries when they're really the same question. It's asking the same question, it leads to the same answer, and it's one that unites the class. There's — petitioners phrase the question as whether — If they aren't the same
7: question, then maybe we shouldn't uh, have this fraud-on-the-market theory because the whole purpose of it is is to to assume that the, that the whole class uh, was was damaged and rely, because you can rely on an efficient market, but you can only rely on an efficient market where there has been a material misrepresentation. So maybe we should overrule basic, but it was, because it, was, it is certainly based upon a theory that, that, that simply collapses once you remove the materiality element.
9: The fraud on the market theory, however, is a substantive theory. It's not a procedural doctrine. To be sure, one of the practical consequences is it allows classes to be certified, but it's a means of proving reliance in an impersonal market in which investors trade today. What What the Court did in basic was adapt the direct reliance concept which envisioned face-to-face transactions to the impersonal market. With respect to actually proving a fraud on the market, you're absolutely right. But what we're talking about here is not whether a fraud on the market can be proven. We're talking about whether common issues predominate over individual issues. And petitioners still fail to point to any individual issue that would come into play in a case where materiality is not able to be shown. None would, because materiality would kill the case for all.
7: Materiality is a common issue. Reliance is only a common issue. If you accept the fraud on the market theory that 's the problem, and you are using the one, which is a common issue, to leapfrog uh, uh, into the second to make uh, 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 the the efficiency of of the market uh, uh, reasoning something that it isn't.
9: With, with all due respect, the two really do collapse into one. You, once you've proven that the market is efficient, and once you've proven that the statements are public, you're asking the same question. You can call it reliance or you can call it materiality. Well, of course, that,
5: that, that it that parts the question. Uh, Twenty-four years of economic scholarship, I think that's how long it's been since BASIC was decided, has showed that um, uh, the, the, the efficient market theory uh it's is 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 really an overgeneralization and It could be much more subtle than that and so you have an event theory but you you want us to ignore that
9: no a, a couple of responses to that the first one is the one that my colleague made which is that market efficiency isn't disputed here it was conceded in the answer at paragraph 199 and not only is it not uh not is it not contested here Petitioners actually embrace an efficient market in order to pursue their truth on the market defense. And so I w- my first response would be that's not something to be addressed in this case. My second response is BASIC didn't adopt any particular economic model of market efficiency. If you look at footnote 24 of BASIC, if you look at footnote 28 of BASIC, the Court makes very clear that it's not adopting an economic theory as far as how quickly or completely the information is incorporated into the market price. Instead, it was looking at congressional intent, it was looking at difficult and direct proof, and it was looking at common sense to reach a result and, again, to adapt a reliance theory that was premised on face-to-face transactions to the impersonal market uh, that exists today. And so... Again, I wouldn't consider market efficiency in this case It's not presented to the extent there's questions about how the determination should be made in terms of levels of generality. That's something that the lower courts can decide. Today, all we're talking about is the materiality component. And again, focusing on whether or not common issues predominate over individual issues. It's a comparative inquiry. It requires comparing common issues on the one hand and individual issues on the other. And petitioners have not identified any individual issues that will actually come into play as the case is litigated the, going to the some of the policy concerns that were raised i'd make a couple points one is the one that my colleague made congress addressed those policy concerns in the pslra in salucia and it chose to address them through different means the second point i would make is the same argument could be made with respect to the other elements of the securities fraud cause of action if the argument is you should have to prove it at class certification because otherwise the case is going to settle you could say the same thing with respect to scienter, with respect to falsity with respect to loss causation which this court and erica john of course said did not have to be proven at the class certification stage so in short it proves too much The third response to that is there are countervailing policy concerns, and there are countervailing concerns that are actually tethered to Rule 23 in terms of efficiency. Um, Excuse me, Commissioners. Do
0: you agree that you have to show materiality to rely on the fraud on the market theory to establish reliance?
9: As a substantive matter on the merits, yes. It is a predicate.
0: I don't understand why that is. If you're trying to show reliance, and you show that it's an efficient market, and that the information was 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 public. Doesn't that show reliance without regard to whether the statement's material or not?
9: I think, in terms of transaction um, causation, what you're, and, and reliance is referred to as transaction causation. What you're trying to show is whether or not the information affected or distorted the market price. And in order to show price distortion, it does require that the information be material. And so we accept that in terms of the fraud in the market. Or
7: or to put it differently, an efficient market is a market that takes account of material factors, right?
9: I I would say it's not an efficient
7: market if it, you know, if it's, who, who knows, random. It takes account.
9: I would make a a minor quibble on that. I would say that the market takes count of all public information, but it's only it only moves based on material information. So that's exactly right. And so our issue is not with the predicates for the fraud on the market theory. Our issue is with petitioners equating the predicates on the fraud on the market theory with the actual prerequisites of Rule 23. And this Court made it very clear in Shady Grove that the only question at the Rule 23 stage is whether the prerequisites have been met. The only one that we're talking about here is predominance. It's comparative inquiry between common issues and individual issues. And if I can quickly go back to my point about countervailing policy concerns, as petitioners acknowledge, a determination at the class certification stage is not binding on anybody, in that case, on the ultimate fact binder, or in any other case. And so the problem with petitioner's position is that it would require relitigation of the materiality question at the merit stage to the extent a class is certified or, if it's not, in every other case that's brought on the same issue. That doesn't serve the efficiency purposes that underlie Rule 23. The — in terms of absent class members, he suggests that absent class members would somehow be prejudiced. But as uh, Your Honor Justice Kagan pointed out, the only prejudice is that they wouldn't be able to relitigate the very same issue. The, uh, that is protected by allowing opt-out. That's protected by Rule 23's adequacy of representation requirement. And so that's already sufficiently protected. The most efficient course is to actually focus on common issues. Materiality is a common issue. It will result in the same answer for all. The class rises or falls together. And class certification is not about only certifying meritorious cases. In 1966, when the current version of Rule 23B3 was adopted, it was an innovation. It was a change from the spurious class actions where it was a one-way ratchet where only the defendant was bound. In the current version of Rule 23B-3, you want to certify class actions that are both um, meritorious and those that are not, so it reaches a finding judgment.
0: Thank you, Counsel.
1: Mr. Waxman, you have five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. The Advisory Committee notes to the very amendment that Ms. Sherry was referring to states, quote, a fraud case may be unsuited for treatment as a class action if there was a material variation in the kinds or degrees of reliance by the persons to whom they were addressed. That is this case. The anomaly of our, my friend's position is they concede that materiality is a predicate for class reliance. They agree that unless the statement is material, however efficient the market, however loudly the statement was published, there is no detrimental reliance on the integrity of the market price. Reliance can only be approved, and Justice Breyer, this goes to your traditional paradigm case. In the paradigm case, Reliance was proven by the fact that you heard the statement and you did something in reliance on it to your detriment. The innovation of BASIC and the notion that BASIC didn't say anything about class certification under Rule 23 is astonishing, given the fact that the whole reason that the question of the fraud on the market theory was presented was the inquiry about whether there could be whether the traditional bilateral method of proving detrimental reliance on a statement could be aggregated into a ginormous class by allowing everyone to say, well, we relied on the integrity of the market price, and a material, misstate, a material statement affected that price. Traditionally, they how, did that how did that
6: work? How did it work traditionally? No, no class, okay? Jeff right. Farmer Jones comes in. Uh, you have to show it's false? You have to show its material, and then you show the reliance that he did something on that basis. Right. So the Those materiality was not part of reliance. Materiality was an element that was always proved, exactly. and then you went on to show reliance. Exactly okay. right. And
1: what the so, Court in basic could have said, Justice Breyer, was forget the fraud on the market theory. We're going, to absol- we're going to say that for 10B-5 actions, you don't have to prove reliance directly on the statement. We're going to allow you to we, — we posit — That investors rely in common on the integrity of the market price. And if you can demonstrate to us that a challenge statement moved the market, if there was market effect, we will allow you to proceed as a class, because then the common answer to the common question, how are you going to prove reliance, is we're going to prove it all the same way, because investors rely on the integrity of the market price. Now, the Court in Sounds basic- It like the are
4: saying you have to win on the merits of the materiality question in order to get the class certified.
1: You have to prove- that there, the, the Court explained correctly in BASIC, and this, this actually goes to anticipates my next point, Justice Ginsburg, the Court in BASIC didn't say, well, we're going to allow you to Excuse We're going to allow me, you to
7: you, you, you don't have to prove it to get the class certified. You only have to prove it to get the class certified with the benefit of the fraud on the market theory. Correct. Which is a shortcut to getting the class certified, right? So yeah. this is just a condition to the shortcut.
1: Yes. And, in fact, it's a shortcut to a shortcut. What the Court in Basic could have said is, if you want to proceed as a class, you prove to the Court that reliance is common by showing that the market, the statement, affected the market price. But the Court in Basic went further in the direction of class plaintiffs and said, you don't have to prove that directly. All you have to prove, we will allow that to be presumed if you can demonstrate without effective rebuttal four things. The statement was of a type that the market would care about. The statement was made publicly in an efficient market, and the trading occurred during the period between the misstatement and the correction. And
6: the reason that we want to prove it up front in the 23, rather than wait till the merits, where it will be argued anyway in exactly the same way, the reason that we want to do it first is, since it's going to be there anyway and going to be litigated anyway, unlike publicity, unlike efficiency, but the reason we take this one and run it up front is, and it can't be the answer we should litigate everything before we litigate anything. Of course. No. Okay, so, so what's the answer?
1: The answer is that this is not, that the point of Rule 23 is to say, you get to use this very useful and powerful device if you have the key to the gate. And the key to the gate is showing that the answer to the question, will reliance be proven commonly, not lost commonly, but proven commonly, is in fact yes. Thank you.
0: Thank you, counsel. The case is submitted.